0: tackle the documentary here it's called night stalker the hunt for a serial killer It's a four-part miniseries came out january 2021 and it's about serial killer richard ramirez and his uh reign of terror in the los angeles well greater los angeles san francisco area in the southern early southern
1: california really yes
0: yeah, southern california right in the early 1980s um, like I said, it was released 2021. It was released 70s. on. It was Wait. released. It was like 80s. It was released on Netflix. Uh, executive produced by Eli Holtzman, Aaron Sademan, Tiller Russell, and Tim Walsh. Like I said, it's a four-part series. Each episode runs about uh, about 48 to 50 minutes, something like that. Kind of just details the start of the investigation um, regarding to what was then believed to be the first the first murder up into his uh, capture and sentencing. So let's just get right into it. Matt, what did overall, um, what did you, what did you think about this documentary?
1: Well, I'd like to point out the most important part of the documentary, which, uh, was the mustaches. Everybody was sporting in this, this documentary. Uh, I was wetter than New Orleans after a hurricane. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, it was, it was pretty crazy. I, I, I knew he was a, a sick bastard I've done a little research on him in the past listened to some podcasts on him it didn't but it didn't really give me his in-depth view into how how what a disgusting piece of shit this person was
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think I think they did a good job you know obviously this documentary is focused on the hunt for him right so they don't they get they touch base a little bit once you know I guess we should premise this but or preface all this by saying there are going to be spoilers if you haven't seen the documentary yet obviously we're going to spoil the shit out of it also just as a little side note to that these are just our opinions uh these are what we believe so we think we're not in any way defending his actions or defending anybody in this documentary uh whatsoever we're just going to doc. we're just making comments on what we thought we'll
1: condemn them
0: yeah we'll condemn them we'll we'll condemn the things we don't like but uh, we're not in any way supporting anybody's nonsense Uh, we're just giving our opinion on what we felt about the documentary but anyway that being said, I think they did a good job of detailing the the hunt for him, the search for him. You know, they don't really get into too much of like why he was the way he was. They touched base on that a little bit, like I think in episode three or four, um, once they determined his identity, you know, they kind of touched base a little bit on how he had, you know, suffered some trauma in his childhood and all that stuff. Um, but that's just kind of like glossed over because the majority of the documentary is about
1: the hunt right. not the killer.
0: Yeah, exactly. The the, the the crimes he committed and the victims and the way he did what he did, especially how brutal it was. So in comparison to how other true, this is obviously a true crime documentary in comparison to how other documentaries have handled true crime, whether it be serial killers or one of murders or whatever, do you think this one did anything different or unique or is this kind of just like every, every other one?
1: Well, I feel like usually when it's documentaries on serial killers or it's a podcast or whatever else they're always talking about you know the killer did this the killer did that you never hear really he's sort of like the police are included obviously but they're not heavily focused on uh this one was is all about the investigation it was all about the cops uh i feel like so they introduced the two main cops in the first episode it was gil i can't remember his last name
0: um i guess i'll find out in a second
1: and gil, frank salerno
0: yeah gil, gil Carrillo gil and frank salerno
1: yes uh i felt like they really delved far deeper into gil's background than they needed to mm-hmm. it was like five minutes where they're just like oh yeah he uh, grew up in the streets and then he went to vietnam and like everybody that went to vietnam saw some horrible shit mm-hmm. and then he came back and decided to be a cop and he went to college and blah 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 which is all great but I'm, I want to hear about the, them hunting the killer. When they mm. introduced Frank Salerno, they're like, hey, this is Frank. He catches bad guys.
0: Yeah, he's a badass. Which is
1: really, yeah, which is really all you need to know. Yeah, they're like, he's a badass and he hunts serial killers. And that was basically the whole thing. He's like, yeah, it was just so much better to me. Um, just they didn't clutter it up with a lot of useful information I really didn't need to know. Right, right.
0: Yeah, so let's, let's get right into it. Like you, like you said, episode one, it starts out, like you said, introduces uh, Detective Gil Carrillo and uh, kind of gives his background as being a Vietnam vet. And then he goes to college. And like you said, they go pretty big into his background. And I think it might be because, you know, he he, he was the guy who first kind of theorized that some of these murders were connected or that they were they were similar and that possibly the same guy had been involved or was involved in all this. So yeah, they did go quite a bit into his background. One thing I thought and this is kind of you'll see this throughout the rest of the series, you know, just the way that the way that the different parts cuz you so in in this in this this whole series here, you have obviously you have this the, at this most, for the most part the unknown suspect, right? You don't know who the, the, the bad guy is, but you yeah. have like this guy committing the murders. You have all the victims, you have the police department, you have the police officers, the law enforcement involved in the investigation, and you have like the media chiming in. And it's funny to me now, I guess I don't know. If it's funny, but it's like in episode one, when they first introduced some of the members of the media, the local media out there, like they they speak so highly of some of these cops, um, like, like I think the one guy refers to the homicide unit as the bulldogs or something, which I mean,
1: yeah, some nonsense name. I mean,
0: it's just, it's, it's just like, it's it like people were circle jerking each other for a little bit. And obviously later on you, there was some tension, obviously, when you find out what happened, you know, with the investigation and how it related to the things the media did. But I mean, it just seems like there's like circle jerking going on, which I don't understand. I mean, you're a police officer. I feel like that's,
1: I feel like that's one of those things where it's 30 years later or 40 years later. And they're like, Hey, uh, we hated each other 30 years ago. Let's not bring that up now. So now they can look back at each other and kind of respect each other a little bit. But at the time I'm, I'm almost positive just from the way they're, the cops, like the reporters kept, you know, being like, Oh, you know, he's such a, he's such a stone faced guy, blah, blah, blah. You know, so hard to read him. And the cops were like, Yeah, I uh, didn't tell them anything. Like, it's pretty clear that they didn't have a high opinion of each other. And maybe the reporters were good enough at being in front of a camera to, like, kind of sidetrack away from that. Like, oh, yeah, we had our ups and downs. (laughs) And the cops were just like, yeah, we don't we don't like reporters. They are bad people.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. So. So, yeah. So anyway, so it goes on. And then uh, it details about how Gil becomes a police officer of the sheriff's department. And he's. You know, good road cop, and he ends. He ends up uh, finally uh, making detective. He's a homicide detective. Uh, into he's, I think he's in his thirties at this point. One thing, man. Again, I, I, if I guess it's for the drama. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why you'd even include this, but it's such a fucking lie. So at one point, this is this is this is so off topic for the rest of the documentary. But at one point, Gill is talking about how. Uh, after me Detective, he's sitting in an Italian restaurant with F- Frank Salerno and guys from the Homicide <clears throat> the homicide Bureau. Yeah. And he's like, I'm sitting in an Italian restaurant. I don't know what to order. I don't know any of this stuff is. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, wow, how crazy is it? I'm thinking to myself, you're telling me you're a man in his 30s and you're claiming you've never had Italian food in your life. You don't know what Italian food is. I ordered chicken parmesan. Or I, don't, I don't know what I'm eating. I don't really know what I ordered. You're telling me, Gil, you're telling me that you never had Italian food before that moment? Look at you, Gil.
1: Well, Look at you. I mean, from his very deep and convoluted backstory that he managed to give the entire nation, um, he came from a very poor neighborhood, and uh, then he joined the Army, then he got out and he was a student, and then he was a beat cop. Now, at the time, none of those professions obviously paid well, so maybe he was just sticking What's to his your- neighborhood – but
0: you're telling me that at some point during all the all those travels, being in the military, right? Being being, I'm not saying he ate it; would have eaten a five star Italian restaurant at some point. But you're telling me this motherfucker didn't know what chicken and parmesan was? I don't believe. It.
1: swimming by the Olive Garden. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I kids. don't
0: believe that shit for a second. That was such a, that was such nonsense. I don't know why they even included it. Why would you even say that? You know that's not true. It can't possibly be true. But anyway, I mean, what? whatever that's fine i mean i guess just to show you how disconnected he was from this the moment i guess or something i don't i don't fucking know
1: but anyway they're, they're old they're old now
0: so then the documentary gets it's into it slip. right it gets into it so then it gets into it get get the first get the first couple of homicides
1: and uh they're trying to figure out what's
0: what's going on
1: actually actually let me backpedal in the first murder he shot a woman and then he tried to shoot her roommate Oh, he shot her her roommate, but it bounced off her car keys and threw her down. Yes. Which I was like, are these car keys made out of the same thing as Wolverine's bones? Like, how did that stop a bullet? But then on top of that, she ran off, which is good instinct when a serial killer shoots you and then goes into the house after your roommate. But then she circles back around to try to go through the front door. Mm -hmm. And he came out and she just was like, come on, man, you already shot me once. Are you really going to shoot me again? And he just walked away. But I was like, why wouldn't he kill her at that point? Like, why wouldn't he just shoot her and walk off? Like, there's there's multiple times throughout this story where they tell things where he, like, people clearly saw his face or they, you know, had a very optimum chance to give it, optimal chance to give a good description of him. And he was just like, nah, screw it. I'm gonna drive three blocks and murder two 80 year old women. Like, what? Why?
0: yeah yeah i mean there's a lot like he's
1: crazy or something <laughs>
0: yeah there's a there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of details in here that just didn't make a lot of sense i mean it just it was just wild with some of the things he did and the way that they went about him i mean like you said in that situation why why here you have somebody who's like i don't think anybody said he covered his face or wore a mask or anything so it's like here you have somebody who s- saw you i mean who, who saw you your your face yeah. you just tried killing her or you're just gonna walk past her and let her live i guess you figure she earned it or something. I don't know. Like she survived the first shot, so she earned the living. I don't. Again, it's crazy. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And we'll get, we're gonna get back to his craziness here um, and that kind of shit here in a, in a little bit. But anyway, so like I said, so he goes down the street and he commits another murder or two murders. And as these murders start stacking up, you know, Gill kind of has this uh, theory that he thinks. That they might all be connected, right? You think that he he has this theory that maybe it's all connected. He remembers, I think he remembers back to some course took in college regarding like sexual deviancy and the the, the desire to see somebody surprised. And he must not well, have.
1: Yeah, that was that was based off of on the first body. Uh, they surmised that the woman had her hands on the countertop and was down, or she was behind the countertop. And then she put her hands on the countertop and he sat there and waited till her head popped up to shoot her in the head. And they said, he said that like, that's, you know, maybe, maybe the fear is what gets him off.
0: Which is crazy. Well, first of all, how do they know that? How do they know that's what he did? I mean, that's a theory they worked with, but how do they know he was like hiding? Cause I remember that he's like hiding, supposedly hiding behind the counter and then she like he waits till so she stands up and he stands up shoots him in the head. I, mean, I don't know, I don't know how they could possibly know that they can't possibly know that. That's a theory that they were working on. I mean it's dramatic I mean, it makes it makes it sound better, but you can't know that. He, I mean you're telling me he just shot somebody in the garage. He's gonna go inside and he's gonna play peekaboo with another victim. I well, mean I think the time that the clock is against you, right? You just fired off a gun in a residential neighborhood. How much time do you have? LA, to well, how much time do you have to the cops come or some neighbor like some looky loo comes in the alley and. For All he knows is there's a dead body laying in the garage with the garage door wide open.
1: Yeah, that was that was surprising to me. I was like, I mean, he didn't check to see if she was dead. He didn't even shut the garage door. I would have at least been like, shove that thing down and be like, so, so, so if anybody did come looking around.
0: I mean, it's just, it, again, it, be just, a, it just speaks to his craziness. It just speaks to like how irrational, even even, even for somebody who's going to be doing these crazy things. There was just so little strategy and there was so little tactic and it. it was just like, it just seems so, it seems so wild at the, by the end of the first episode, we do, de- they determine that there's a link, right? He ends up hooking up with Frank Salerno, who's supposed to be this badass who had already tackled one serial killer investigation and captured something serial, serial killers, the
1: high hill strangler,
0: right? Hillside, string, hills Hillside, strangler. Strangler, Hillside strangler, I believe. Something with hills and so, and he, so he'd already captured, he already captured one, so he had one under his belt. Um, he goes to Gale, He explains to Gale what's going on, and they they end up linking, linking them right. And one of the, I I think the same footprints, right? The, these shoe prints. So we're going to talk about these fucking pair of shoes. Um, Jesus, that, goes into, a, that goes into that goes into that goes into episode two. So episode two, they get into we get more talking about the links, right? So you said okay. they're able they're able to link. So in that, so in, in part two, they're able to start linking, um, establish the link between some of these these victims, these homicides. To this pair of shoes this the shoe print right and in fact it, it matches a burglary at, at a deputy's house i think it was in the mud or something which is crazy that it took them it took them over 100 days to link all these things together like all these murders together that were happening it took them over 100 days 100 days to determine that and additionally it took them 100 days to determine what kind of shoe they were looking what kind of shoe we, print this one yeah that was
1: crazy which is, to me. which is
0: wild to me if that's i mean i understand at first like they didn't know that that was the link but gill obviously suspected that was the link right he suspected about the shoe thing so it took it's crazy but they took that long to try to determine like what 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 kind of shoe is this
1: um well i mean you think about like if if it was a regular shoe i could see where he'd be like oh yeah he's a size 11 and a half and then not care about the type of shoe because i mean if you think about it if you'd bought like pair of nikes or jordans or whatever was popular in 85 uh probably not jordan's i think it was the 90s but if you was just wearing a regular run-of-the-mill pair of shoes i mean there could be millions of them in the greater los angeles area or, or thousands of them anyway so I, I could see why they would put that in the back burner as far and they said they're knocking out like there's like a thousand murders in la a year at that point in time That's
0: something crazy so this pair of shoes. So so they end up do they do look into this pair of shoes, and they determine that it's a, a a pair of Avias. They they theorize that they're black because he wears all black, and based on, you know, witness descriptions, you know, survivor descriptions of him, they they believe he's wearing all black. So they surmise it must be a black pair of shoes as well. And they determine that, and I I I can't even believe this is real, but they determine that the specific pair of shoes the the type of of via shoes that it was that only six pairs were ever shipped to the united states five of them were in arizona and only one pair of black vias were ever sold in los angeles in california
1: yeah and it's this they, they,
0: they surmise it's this pair of shoes it's this guy
1: which which is bonkers can you imagine trying to track somebody down by shoes nowadays? Well, it's—I it's, to me, just
0: what what are the odds of that statistically? What are the odds that you have six pairs of shoes that get sent from wherever they're manufactured in China or fuck who knows where, yeah. overseas? I think this get, was
1: a – I can't remember what the exact place was, but I think it was a, a South American country.
0: So that they get manufactured. They get shipped over here. Only six pairs, only six – First of all, who who makes, who manufactures and ships only six pairs of one kind of shoe? That doesn't make any sense. Right there doesn't make any sense to me. They made, this company, Avia, only made six black pairs of this shoe to send to the United States? That makes no fucking sense. But anyway, that's what they did, apparently. And then only five, five of the six, the entire United States, five pairs go to Arizona, only one fucking pair goes to California, and this motherfucker ends up getting them. The, the yeah, rarest And the, and the serial possible, killer's
1: want to buy them.
0: The one, the the rarest fucking shoe you could have. This is the one motherfucker walking around wearing them. I mean, it's just crazy. It's so improbable that, statistically. It's crazy. That,
1: I mean, I, like I fucking I, Cinderella. That's I, what
0: it is. If <laughs> the, the crazy shoe fits, first of all, I yeah. wonder because you know eventually, obviously later on in the episodes, they release that they have this link with the shoes. Um, I wonder if it, I wonder how Avia's like sales, like, I wonder how they did. Do you think their shoes tanked or do you think it like increased?
1: And I'm sure, well, I mean, when they caught the guy, he had fans. So you, you got to assume that, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people were like, I don't wear those fucking shoes. But some of them are like, this makes me so dark and edgy because a serial killer wore an off brand pair of these shoes. Because a, 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 an actual sociopath, is the only person in fucking Los Angeles to be wearing this type of shoe? Do you,
0: Do you think that there's? I mean, do you think there's ever been an attempt or an attempt by somebody, some fucking idiot marketing person who's like, "Do we should capitalize on this? Let's make a pair of Night Stalkers, like, finish <laughs> like a via shoes." You know what I mean? Like, because you know there, like, there are people who buy like they'll buy like fucking hair clippings of serial killers and shit, and they'll buy like a serial yeah. killer can shit in his hand and wipe it on the wipe it on a piece of paper and call it a painting, and people will pay thousands of dollars yeah. for it. I mean, somebody somebody would probably buy a pair of Night Stalkers, right? If Avia's yeah, I mean, listening, if Avia's listening, yeah. hit us up. But um, we'll,
1: Stalkers. We'll, if they look cool, I'd probably wear them. I'm just saying, we'll do a we'll not, do a, you know, not because Richard Ramirez, but you know, they look comfy. Why not? Um, I'm gonna put them on when I'm running through my neighbor's yards in the middle of the night.
0: <laughs> so, so that episode episode two continues, and we will get into it. Where at one point there's a, a, a stolen vehicle that is recovered. Um, yeah. He 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 steals a car and they end up recovering the stolen vehicle. I, if I remember correctly, the Los Angeles County kind of Sheriff's Department they wanted to print the vehicle, but LAPD said no, it's our jurisdiction. It's in our it's our custody. We'll take care of it. We'll print the car. And yeah. then, as it turns out, this fucking car never gets printed. When they wait, found I mean, it, it
1: was so hot that it destroyed everything.
0: Yeah. So I mean, what do you? what And there's a couple different. There's another example. Let's just fast forward a little bit. There's another example with LAPD screws the fucking pooch here with the the panic alarm in the dentist office. And we're skipping ahead a little bit oh, here. Oh Jesus! But they, but so Gil and his team put two undercover cops in the actual office to, to, because they figure this guy's gonna be going come back. He's got a tooth problem. He's gonna come back. He's in pain, and. They put him in the fucking office and then for budget, I mean, there's a serial killer on the loose, but for budget reasons, we can't afford to put two cops in the office. We have how many cops probably sitting on their ass doing nothing on the street every day, but we can't afford to put two in this this office to catch a serial killer. But I digress. And so then they decide, well, LAPD, it's their jurisdiction. They're going to put in a a, a panic alarm. They'll install a panic alarm um, that the dentist can hit. If, uh, if this psycho comes in sure enough, he, he came in, and uh, the panic alarm didn't fucking work. So that's, that's 0 and 2 for LAPD I, on this.
1: Yeah. I Both of those situations, I was like, man, that really sucks because both of those situations, you could have stopped the killings right there. He was, like, halfway through his murder spree at that point. Mm-hmm. You could have saved, like, a bunch of lives. But, I mean, let's be honest. Back in the 80s, 70s and 80s, LAPD didn't exactly have a sterling reputation, as far as handling, you know, issues like this. And the first couple murders were minorities. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but I mean, it, it wasn't. From what I, I've heard, it wasn't a great area to be a minority and be around cops. in at, at that point in time, that's true. If I'm if I'm wrong, feel free to uh, email me at i don't actually care about your opinion.com. And uh, I'll make sure I get to that eventually.
0: Uh, yeah. So then it goes on, and around around day 117, you know, they kind of they kind of frame it in in terms of days days of investigation, and about days yeah. day 117, you know, Gil uh, Gil describes Detective Gil. I, I feel bad calling him by his first name, but whatever his name's Gil. Um, yeah. I... He he he, uh, he details about how he had a like a panic attack kind of thing in the middle of the night. I think just that just goes to show like how fucking nuts this whole thing was and how they were running these guys into the ground. I mean, I can't imagine how effective you are when you're working off three hours sleep, four hours sleep.
1: Well, yeah, they said guys were working like 18-hour days. These people are, aren't machines, you know? At some point, it's going to wear on you, no matter what, whether, whether you admit it or not. I mean, uh, Frank uh, Salerno... The other detective that was older he didn't really delve into how like if he was having any issues with it but you gotta assume i mean that it bothered him on some level i mean caring for human life is is like bred into our dna you know you're not mentally you're not mentally equipped to see bodies like that on a regular basis and not have some sort of physical you know mental response
0: and then you get the killing of uh, I, I don't know her name, and I, I feel bad because I'm not gonna know any of the victims' names here, so I, I apologize. I'm not trying to offend anybody. There was right. so many. There's just so many. So there's a, a grandmother who was murdered. I believe they believe she put up a fight, and then he ended up going and he ended up killing and raping somebody else at the same night because you know she fought back or something. I mean, and that's when the yeah, news he
1: killed her and then he went blocks away and did it again.
0: Yeah, so that's that's when the news like the news blitz regarding this like really took off. Like that's when they really the the media, the news media really gets involved. They really start, you know, emphasizing all this. And then obviously the family, her family, you know, mentions how like tough it was for them. Um so do yeah. you think do you do you think that um this documentary, not just this episode, but this documentary, do you think it kind of how do how do you think it portrayed media's the media's role in these kind of situations?
1: Well, first I'd like to say uh, that when I was watching that episode, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, according to what we with the cops found or whatever else, it appears she put up a fight. and He was forced to kill her." I was like, "Good for you, Grandma! Like that's that's badass." Because most people, you know, you get a gun shoved in your face, knife shoved in your face, you know, it's, it's fight or flight. And some people just either try to run or they panic and can't do anything. And this old lady put up a fight to the point where he was forced to kill her. And he, I mean, it's it's terrible that he did. But, I mean, on the plus side, he didn't get to assault her like he'd done to so many of his other victims. Also, do we, I'd also like to bring in, like, I've heard other documentaries on him i never realized that he was also kidnapping and sexually assaulting children they didn't tie it to him because they did not want to bring the kids to the court system Mm -hmm. he was already facing life in prison with like a million murders but whole debacle this guy was kidnapping children out of their home taking them to an alternate location raping them and then dropping them off near a payphone to call the police so the parents would come get them
0: Right, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I think I think that's uh, like Frank Salerno in episode one. He makes a comment that like it, this kind of behavior had never been documented before. Like he was such this was so wild. If he was, I mean, they obviously suspected he was involved in all of it, but they, they had just never seen somebody operate like that. I mean, it was just he was just such a a first time kind of thing for them.
1: And that's when I was going, I was going through my true crime phase. I really thought like out of the group, I thought, this is a pretty cool serial killer, just because he breaks them. I mean, obviously, he's not cool, but like, out of the group, like, he he didn't use the same weapons every time. He didn't use the same MO. He didn't, like, he, he didn't follow blonde 20-year-old women or, you know, murder black 45-year-old men. He had no type and he just went, he just killed whoever he could kill. He was, I mean... And that's made him so hard for the police to catch. Is that he didn't have a type, he didn't have an area he was sticking to. He w- he didn't have the same weapon every time. I mean, it, it he he was a truly evil, monstrous person uh, mm-hmm. that just did not care how he was hurting people. He just wanted to hurt them, mm-hmm. which is crazy to me.
0: Again, towards the end of episode two, here they start talking about what I asked about the media question. It's revealed that uh, a reporter, and I actually, I wrote her fucking name down because I was so flabbergasted yeah. by what she did. Laurel Erickson, who was a reporter for a local station there, uh, I think it was a, yeah, it was a news station. She gets information, obviously the, the, the department's leaking somewhere, information gets out that they have a shoe that they're looking at. That The shoe is connecting all these yeah. things together. And so she leverages this for, as a, for an interview. Right, she threatens basically to release this key part of their investigation, um, so that she can get some kind of exclusive fucking interview with these guys. First of all, what a fucking bitch! Number one, and number two, um, I mean, to me, again, again. So let me ask you again: like, how how do you think that? How do you think this documentary portrayed media's the media's role in this, the hunt for Richard Ramirez?
1: Well, I think up until the very end. When they disseminated his picture and his name and said, this is the Night Stalker. This is the guy we're looking for. The media and any politician attached to this at all just fucked the pooch so hard. I mean, they made it harder on the cops. They gave away the information they weren't supposed to give away, which helped him hide. It's terrible to say, but like it's one of those things where you're like, if the police didn't have to keep people informed. The media might not have, you know, maybe they would have caught him faster or maybe they wouldn't have I don't know but you know at least at least at one point I, w- I was specifically thinking oh my god I can't believe that they just that it was a mayor of San Francisco or something like that
0: mm-hmm.
1: or it was either yeah. mayor of LA or the mayor no it was mayor of San Francisco Sefrisco,
0: Diane Feinstein
1: yeah she said oh uh, you know we're looking for this guy he wears black Advia shoes and up until that point that hadn't been released. And because of that, they never recovered the shoes. That would have been a pretty slam... I mean, that would have been a slam dunk right there. That, that would have knocked out a whole lot of the, the court process.
0: Well, yeah, especially considering it, how fucking rare those shoes apparently were. I mean, those have to be the uh, rare yeah. fucking shoes on earth. Yeah. like Yeah, I mean, I think... We'll get into it here, episode three. kind it of gets more into the media, too. I don't know, man. I think the media... Uh, they definitely were instrumental, especially in, we'll talk about an episode when we get back to part four. I mean, obviously the media was instrumental in him being captured because let's face it, that's how he got captured. Yeah.
1: Well, but yeah. But
0: but in episode three, so episode three it starts again. We talked about the dentist office thing when LAPD fucked up the panic alarm and he goes in there to get his teeth fixed. And fucking,
1: do you remember what led them to the, the fact that he used that dentist? Uh, I, I think i th- Think. oh it was in the car it was in the car he had he left a car the business a, card. A dental business card yeah That's he left right. the
0: business card for the dentist's office and the stolen car well which again i mean the, the finger the fingerprints were gone and at that time because like they said in the documentary i don't know what episode it was but at the time there was no like digital or database for fingerprints even if they pulled a the fingerprint off it wouldn't have led them to a suspect it just would have allowed them to link a, a suspect that they had to the crimes. Yeah. Um, so, so that wouldn't have like a, a fingerprint wouldn't have expedited his capture. It just would have been able to help them pinpoint if they had somebody in mind, but the business card was huge. I mean, the business card that, that could have been a game changer. I mean, that could, that was a break. That, that, that could have been the break you needed to catch the fucking guy. And it was, I mean, they were right, but because of incompetence, he fucking again, skates, he gets his fucking teeth kind of fixed, I guess. And he fucking skates and then other fucking people die.
1: Yeah, Detective Gill said that when they showed up at the dentist's office and started asking questions, the dentist said, oh, yeah, he uh, he was here five days ago. Mm-hmm. And they have been holding that, that car for like, it's like a month or two mm-hmm. or something crazy. Something it, was, like it was a really long time for, I mean, you'd think if somebody said, hey, a serial killer probably stole this car, you know they'd be kind of light a fire under their ass. But mm-hmm. all that is that macho dick waving contest bullshit where the LPD's like, we'll find them ourselves by not actually doing anything. And the detectives are like, Hey, could you get off your asses please?
0: Okay. And so then in yeah. episode, so in part three here, the Gil makes a comment early in the episode that I, I, I wrote down because I definitely wanted to cover this. I thought it was fucking outrageous. I thought it was an outrageous comment to make. Uh, he says that he asked uh, Salerno, is it wrong to want somebody else to die? And when he first said that, when he first like said that, first, my first thought was, is he asking his partner, is it wrong that he wished that the killer would die, that he wished he could kill the killer or something? But I thought that's you know, what he meant. No, but what he meant was, what he says he meant was, when he expounded, was that he wanted there to be another victim because he felt the only way they were gonna catch this guy is if he made a mistake. So, they, they needed, so all they could do was work out the evidence they had. In order to get more evidence, there needed to be another victim. So, he asked, was it wrong for him to want somebody else to die? Which to me yeah. is fucking nuts. Like, to me, that would be a thousand red flags. That's time to get off the case. Because to me, it goes to show kind of the gamesmanship involved, where at that point it becomes less like we're dealing with real human suffering and trauma and tragedy and more like, I have a job to do. This is my job. My job is to catch this bad guy. It's like a hunter and prey kind of thing. So I, in order for me to score a point here, I need him to slip up. So I need him to do something else so I can, so I can catch him. Like to me, that was just, I mean, again, that's probably a very super honest thing for him to say. And I guess I get points for that. It's an extremely honest thing to say, but, if that was how he truly felt in the moment, that he probably shouldn't have even been involved in it anymore, because that's such well, a that's such a crazy fucking thing to say. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely, but you got to think about the fact. I mean, at that point, there's no way they're behaving; they're acting rationally. You can only cut sleep for so long before people start cracking up.
0: But then, I so, mean, do you, so so, but but, do you think though? Then the investigation would have been better served had they had other people involved. I mean, I know they had like two guys. There's got to be a leader. There's got to be a, somebody spearheading this whole thing. Yeah. But I mean, would they have been better served to have like, more people on it or, or more people in, at the top of it or something?
1: Well, I think that in a situation like this where this guy is kidnapping children out of bed and raping them and committing violent murder throughout Southern California and doing all this horrible, horrible shit, I would have think that it would have been best suited if there had been a task force involved or at the very least another two detectives so that these guys can go home and have a day where they slept or they're they're with their families because you can't, you can't take away socialization and sleep from people. It makes people irrational. It's not functional. People's brains are going to start acting, acting wonky, which is probably why detective Gill woke up having a panic attack and cleared his house with his pistol because he was sure that the killer was at his house.
0: Yeah, I don't know. To to me, to me, there's a lot of things again. I I appreciate his honesty, but there's a lot of things that that Gil specifically said. Like Salerno seemed more like a hard ass, like he seemed more like a guy who who just I don't know, maybe he just handled it better, like everybody handles things differently. And Gil, I guess, was more of a junior guy. He was, you know, he he wasn't as as experienced as Salerno was. But to me, just there's several times in this where I just felt like Gil like was in over his head. Maybe that's why they tried showing some more of his background at the beginning to show like how he was still relatively new and to, to that, to that bureau. I mean, I guess he'd been a cop for a while at that point. But
1: uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was definitely over his head. I mean, I I think at the, during an investigation like this, or during a situation like this, just about anybody's going to be over their heads because this guy was behaving in ways that had never been documented before. This guy had no had no pattern established. He had no profile. He was any kind of sick, sadistic shit you could think of. This guy was doing. But it wasn't focused around a pattern that they could hone in on. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, and that's how they catch people before, you know. Oh, they hunt college girls. Okay, let's go stake out the colleges in the area. They work in this, you know, poorer section of town. Let's go stake that out. This guy was in different cities with different victims with different weapons. For a while, he used a twenty-two. Then he switched to a twenty-five with older style bullets. Sometimes he stabbed people. Sometimes he beat him death with a tire iron. I mean, the the guy was, it was like he woke up in the morning and he's like, you know, I'm gonna start driving this direction. And today I'm gonna bring a hacksaw instead of instead of the 25. You know, I no no you know what? Fuck that. I'm gonna get the tire iron uh, because that way when I'm done, I can just throw it in my trunk. And uh, if I blow a tire on the way, I can just you know fix it on the spot. It'd be great. <laughs> A lot
0: of the random – I mean, that's probably stuff he found in victims' houses, right? I can't believe guys creeping around people's bushes carrying a fucking tire iron, but maybe, I guess. I don't fucking know. They didn't mention that. I, they, they didn't mention that.
1: He did say he was, like, robbing them, too. So, yeah. you know, maybe some of that shit was things that he found at their houses. Hey, but he used the 22
0: – Needed gas money.
1: For Yeah, he used the 22, like, pretty regularly for the first couple of slayings. And then the 22 went away and he was using the 25, which at one point, the first time he used the 25, he shot a couple in the face and they both lived. And the guy got up and chased him out of the house, which would have been the last time I would have used the 25 personally. But apparently this guy didn't pick up on the on, on the fact he was using an older style and because it, it used the red primer, which they never have at that, or they didn't have at that point. I would have thought maybe I should go back to the twenty-two. Maybe I should get newer bullets. Maybe I should stop murdering people in the middle of the night to get my, get, you know, get my jollies. I don't know. But clearly, you know, logic wasn't entering into his head at that point, because, like I said, a smart person would be like, "Fuck this twenty-five. I'm going back to the twenty-two. They're both nice and small and quiet. Uh, when I shot people with twenty-two, they stayed dead. Except for that lady who matrix." yeah, that who Matrix-style blocked the bullet with her car keys.
0: Then another thing here, episode 3, they get into it, they start talking about more of the media frenzy, right? And it, I mean, it was an absolute fucking media frenzy. And one of the things I thought was um, one of the journalists, I think it was a newspaper guy, editor or something, he, uh, this this Richard Ramirez, he had several different names that the the media, every, every station tried giving him a different name, right? He was this, he was that. And then Somebody ends up sticking and giving him the Night Stalker, which apparently, according to the journalist, is the brand. The quote, the branding that that stuck, which yeah, to me is well, like it's wild to me that they look at it. Like again, it discloses goes to Schillick in their in their mindset, the media's mindset was. This is just like our job, so like we're gonna find a way to make this as crazy as possible. So let's call them something. Sc- what's scary? The val, this valley or whatever. That's not scary enough. That's not scary. Enough. Night Stalker. That's fucking. They'll get. will get people fucking. You know, watching TV. They'll get them buying newspapers. That's look at the
1: competition. They had. They had the Walk In Killer, uh-huh. which that doesn't even scary. It just I I, I, I would if I heard that name, I wouldn't even know how to react to that some guy came in and he's like i'm the walk-in killer i'd be like seriously what the walk-in killer who came up with that shit obviously not him so night stalker just sounded the coolest i think i well, mean
0: it definitely sounded the cool and then later i mean fucking uh, apparently richard ramirez himself thought it was cool because later he tells like a victim that he is the night stalker so apparently he thought it was neat he thought he, he liked it um, which i guess is important but anyway, so the media creates, at this point now, the media creates a frenzy. It's absolute frenzy. They mentioned gun scale sales skyrocket, lock sales skyrocket, self-defense class, you know, enrollment skyrockets. Just the whole city's going fucking nuts because you have this random guy who's running around he's killing people randomly.
1: Well, you know, as well as I do, that karate stops bullets.
0: Well, I mean, so, I, I don't know what people, I mean, I guess something's better than nothing. But just to me, like, it's just, again, I a my shot would have been better. at just- I, I feel like this is like the story this is like the story is the oldest time where the media takes a situation and they make it fucking worse by creating an absolute feeding frenzy around it because monetarily it's beneficial to everybody involved, you know, well,
1: on, on that, on that note, and don't get me wrong, I fucking hate the media. All right. Because everybody's in somebody else's pocket, but on that note, it is their job to set out the news the way this guy was going around just walking into people's houses and opening up windows and doing it. I mean, it, it had to be, it had to be said because back, you know, back in the day, people didn't lock their doors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, what are, does it, but does it have to be, but does it have to be my, my point is, does it have to be every story every day has to be like, like even today, if something happens, it's every story, every minute for the, how many days it is. So it's replaced by something else. So it becomes like they create, like it, it, it creates a panic around a situation where, yeah, you're right. Information needed to be shared with the public so that people could protect themselves because they couldn't fucking catch this guy, right? He's just too random. But yeah. at the same time, what's the population of Los Angeles County? It was millions. Yeah. Million, tens of millions probably, right? Maybe I'm off, but it had to be millions. millions. I can say millions comfortably. Tens of millions, I think, but millions comfortably. So this guy, in this time period where, you know, but i think we're less than a year at this point he has killed a bunch of people but he hasn't killed a 100 people he's killed 20 people 15 people something like that at this point so that's well, out of 15 people out of millions isn't like a isn't like this thing where everybody in the city needs to fucking lock their doors and buy guns but i mean that's what the media has made it seem like i mean it, it could happen to anybody anywhere anytime who knows and well, i mean i mean, guess yeah it's possible but statistically Listen, you, yeah, listen but- statistically, you've had a better chance of owning a black pair of rare avias than to be killed by a fucking Night Stalker at this time, okay? So I just, to, to, to me, I get I get why it's important that the media lets information out there, but you know every newspaper ran three fucking stories about this guy every single day they could because that's what sold
1: newspapers. Well, yeah, and that's, that's all money, and I 100% agree with that. On the same note, I mean, it's, you know, as well as I do, people are stupid. You can say, Hey, there's a guy in the neighborhood in, let's say there's a guy in some random town and he walks around, he checks doors. And if your door is left unlocked, he comes in and he fucks you with an ax handle until it happens 20 times. People aren't going to start listening. They're gonna be like, Oh, that couldn't happen to me. That couldn't happen to me. And then they're like, Oh God, I wish I had locked my door after accepting that pizza because now this guy is anally probing me with an axe handle uh, long enough to I don't know, I lost the joke. But
0: I mean <laughs> No, I get what you're saying. But even to that even to that point though. I mean what more I mean I, I I I guess it's just different times. I can't imagine leaving the house and not locking the fucking door. I can't even imagine it. So like, to me, it's like, yeah, you're right. It took this one guy to do it 20 times for them to be like, hey, maybe we start locking our doors. But at the same time, he wasn't the only, like like you pointed out earlier, he wasn't the only motherfucker killing people in Los Angeles at this time. Like he wasn't the only burglar. He wasn't the only rapist. He wasn't the only crazy person. Again, maybe nobody else is doing it 20 times up to that point. But certainly there were 20 other people doing it one time. So it's like it yeah. wasn't like being burglarized was like so far out of the realm of possibility. You can't imagine him locking doors or you know or whatever. I mean that that to me was like was was crazy. And I I I get you, what you're saying the media spreads awareness and it's important, but at the same time it's like why, why are there so many fucking unlocked doors? Cuz I mean, when you look at it, I don't I don't think he broke into any house. I think he just found unlocked windows and doors and climbed in. Like Yeah. And I was going to say I was you. What I mean again I wonder how, how many houses did he try and couldn't get in? Like imagine, because there's no way he could have known like, okay, this house has an open back window. This house has an open back door. Like he had to try so many doors and so many windows before he found one that was open.
1: Well, one of the houses where he actually didn't get anybody, the window was painted shut. You know how fucking hard it is? Oh, that's true. You know, A window true. open that's painted shut. Well, think I mean, you got to figure he's picking some easy locks. We well, think and- you hear that. By, by the way, by the way, the accidental joke, the accidental was long enough to tickle your tonsils from the back is what I was trying to go with, but I lost it. I mean, yeah, I'm sure some of this shit was unlocked. And sometimes, you know, it was also a million degrees in LA. I'm sure people had their windows open and everything else. But, and I'm not trying to defend the media. Like I said, I think the media is garbage for the most part. They just grab hold of, you know, the nearest information orange and just squeeze it until it's dry. Yeah. And then they move on to the next thing, which yeah. is... You know, just the way it is. I was wondering. I guess now we kind of covered it. I was, I was trying to think. Like he was using a twenty-two for so long, for like probably like half of his murders, mm-hmm. maybe. But he like he, maybe not half his murders. But he uses twenty-two a lot, mm-hmm. and then he switched to the twenty-five. I was and I, I was I was kind of dumbfounded by that. Like, what made him decide to switch guns? You think he's just getting too popular? Well, didn't I mean, he... I'm not sure. The media said 22.
0: Well, he did. He gave it to somebody in Mexico, right? Isn't that one, isn't that one thing where they ended oh, up figuring yeah. out he gave it to somebody in Mexico and then they go to Mexico to try to find the gun. I don't think they recovered it, but they went down to Tijuana because he gave it to somebody. I imagine he probably sold it. He probably was in a tough spot because one thing they didn't, oh, maybe they did mention it, maybe in a word of it whatever, but I believe Richard Ramirez had a pretty substantial drug habit and somebody who obviously was too busy at night to have a full-time job i don't think he could probably afford it on the up and up so that's why he was like burglarizing people and stealing their shit after he did heinous things to their bodies and then
1: i mean i'm, I'm sure
0: have... I'm, I'm sure he sold the gun Like, i'm sure he sold that one and bought or was found or probably stole that other one i mean with all these burglaries you probably came across a couple i would imagine a couple guns yeah you know,
1: guns. i mean personally i think he'd be a model employee anywhere Ooh. uh maybe at walmart with the other sociopaths jesus christ but- uh,
0: <laughs> well, there goes the Walmart sponsorship. Thanks a lot, Matt. <laughs> we can kiss that sponsorship goodbye.
1: The other, you know, blank-eyed sociopaths that don't want to help you at all. But, <laughs> stop laughing, man. You're killing me. Yeah, I mean, well, like it seemed like every time he went in a place, for a while, at least, they're saying, yeah, the place was ransacked, jewels were stolen, this was stolen, this was stolen. This was stolen. To me, I, I think, like, how are they not tr- tracking down where all these jewels are going? You know, were they, were they hitting up shops? Were they checking like, well, this is, you know, on the few survivors they found, they could say, Hey, I'm missing this necklace. I'm missing this. They couldn't go to these shops and say, Hey, let's see what's underneath your counter. Mm-hmm. All right. Where's who, you know, how often do you come in here? That's but,
0: true. I, mean, I I doubt he had a, pirate's chest full of gold i mean you're right i mean he had to been selling yeah. that shit i mean there's no reason why he would take it although there's some weirdos that take like souvenirs and shit i guess but yeah it sounds like he was taking he, shit that had value that he probably would have sold to buy drugs or pay rent or put gas in his murder mobile
1: i guess i don't know Um well my opinion on on police work is valid because i saw csi in miami one time that's true so so you're yeah, so, so clearly so,
0: it is. We do want to, we I'm do want to just be an expert. Exactly. We do want to, we do want to state that you are an expert in this field. So yeah, extensive watching of uh, the, the law and order uh, series television shows.
1: Yeah. There'd be black lights in my investigation. I'm just saying black lights everywhere <laughs>
0: and,
1: uh, lit, lit up like a Christmas tree.
0: <laughs> All right. So back to episode three here. So he ends up uh, taking a little road trip up to San Francisco
1: and he ends up, uh, can,
0: you know, taking the party up there with him. And then that, again, that's where the media ends up getting out that supposedly there's there's wall writings and there's there's pentagrams. I think he calls himself Jack the Ripper or something in one of the murders. Um, so that all gets out. And then they end up, you know, linking, you know, L.A. and San Francisco end up linking the murders, right? They understand now that okay, he's obviously up here doing things that he was doing down yeah. there. And then it comes out, and Mayor Diane Feinstein comes out and says. Fuck it, i'm gonna give up everything so she tells everything she gives information about the ballistics how the ballistics match she gives up the shoe print matching she gives out information about the vehicle right so she gives it all up in a news conference which los angeles was apparently pissed off about so then oh,
1: yeah so well then she, she gave away she gave away all their secret information that they were going to use to bust him right i mean yeah, after, all that, he, after that after that there's no more advocate prints because the motherfucker probably threw his shoes in the river or Brought him back to Tijuana, wherever that fuck he bought him from.
0: So then, Sher- LA County Sheriff Block he goes he does a press conference, which essentially his press conference accomplished nothing but publicly shamed San Francisco. But I guess you know tit for tat. I guess we can banter like children in the news. Um, it's just,
1: a, I mean, it's just over a murder investigation. It wasn't that serious? So right. playground fighting is clearly allowed at that point.
0: And the thing is, like my my take when I thought about this, my my because. At first our first hour, I was like, that that fucking bitch. I can't believe why she'd give out the information yeah. and jeopardize the investigation, right? Like I can't fucking believe. It. I think like the first inclination. But actually, if you think about it though, the information she gave out doesn't it doesn't really keep them from preventing future crime, right? Because it wasn't like they well, knew Well, no, but if they would have a and wearing
1: black Advia shoes that would have had, you know, fourteen different because some right. of those, some of the footprints found was in blood. Right. So you, you know those shoes weren't clean. Right, so, yeah, they could have so, used that to then like open and shut to build the case, right? I mean, so it would have it would have made it, it may, obviously,
0: her releasing the information, them releasing the information, obviously made it harder for them to link future crimes to the previous ones, right? But it doesn't really stop them. Yeah. It doesn't really hinder their efforts at prevention or, or stopping them from doing something in the future. It's just a way of them being able to link future things to the to past thing. So, yeah, it was a shitbag thing for her to do um, in that moment.
1: But personally, I blame whoever gave her the information they should have said, Hey, this is the information that's safe for the public, th- you know, and this is information we have, but you can't share it with the public. Mm-hmm. Somebody should have said, don't fucking say this part. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously she's trying to alert the people in San Francisco, which is her duty, they're they're her people, that hey, there's a serial killer running running amok through here. You know, mm-hmm. one of the thirty eight serial killers in California in the mid eighties. Because mm-hmm. apparently even serial killers love the weather out there. You know, somebody should have said, hey, listen, this information, you cannot spread this information. This information is just us. Mm -hmm. Like we're telling you, but you can't tell anybody else because this is what we're going to use to put them in the ground or whatever, whatever they were doing.
0: But didn't,
1: didn't it seem like
0: it was probably because of like. I feel like in situations you have like politicians, especially you have the mayor of a city and then you have, you know, the sheriffs are elected and all that stuff. It's like, everybody wants to be like the guy, right? Everybody wants to have like the information and to be like, the, I'm the one, I, I have the information. So everyone wants to be on the inside or on the top of everything.
1: Well, to me it was like pol-
0: politics. Yeah. So, so to me, it was like, she was just trying to, you know, she doesn't want to, because Los Angeles obviously has a monster of a thing on their hands down there. It's out of control. Yeah. And this guy is just killing at will and there's really nothing they're doing to stop, but they can't stop them. They can't find them. They can't figure anything out. So I think she just wanted to, didn't want to look incompetent or didn't want to look like she couldn't control situations. So she just like, I'm I'm aware of this, 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 which again, not the, not the brightest thing to do, but
1: it could, it could have been, it could have been expressed to her that she couldn't share that information and she could have just shared it. That wouldn't surprise me. It also wouldn't surprise me if she just didn't know that she wasn't supposed to say it. It's a politician. They could go either way. Who who knows? It doesn't matter why she put the information out there. She fucked. She fucked them in the short term mm-hmm. when she did. Um. Actually, dur- during that when they were talking about it, and the LAPD guys were saying, "No, no, 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 don't don't say anything to the public." They said, "Are you kidding me? If the public find out about this, they would uh, they'd lose their minds." That's obviously a a, po- a political a political thing, mm-hmm. you know. That clearly wasn't like, well, the public needs to know so they locked their doors. It was, if the public finds out about this, finds out that we knew this and didn't immediately tell them, we're not getting getting reelected. And I'm going to have to go back to working at Wendy's, which is the only place I'm qualified to actually work at when I'm not, you know, marrying or mayoring in San Francisco.
0: <laughs> so, episode three then it continues. And towards the end of the episode, we find out that through the investigation, I guess old Richard Ramirez has a has a hobo friend who he confessed his crimes to, and that he gave him the weapon, or the 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 one of the one of the firearms involved in the in the yeah. incident. Um, so then, by the end of the episode, yeah. they're interviewing the San Francisco detective who's talking about his interaction with with this guy or some other guy. Yeah, um, apparently knows who who they call him Rick. Who Rick is, and the San Francisco detective. Basically, admits to just beating the shit out of this guy in the backseat of yeah. this squad car to get this guy's name. Which, yeah. I mean, I know it was different times, there's different eras, and everything in life, and different eras in policing for sure. Um, but for, and again, this is a situation where a lot of people would say, "Well, the ends justify the means." But I mean, what what do you think about here? You have a de- he's probably retired now, I guess, but here you have yeah, a detective. Now you have a detective who's admitting, like, to the world that he beat a name out of a person in the backseat of a squad
1: car. The guy said he knew what Rick's last name was. Mm -hmm. They all had the information that was saying Rick is the guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, this guy was just kind of being an asshole about it. Mm -hmm. And personally, if it came between violating somebody's constitutional rights to stop a serial killer or following the rules, and maybe that serial killer gets another five or 10 kills under his belt. I mean, I was like, Hey, you know, maybe you should have punched him in the face, but uh, what happened to the phone book or the bag of oranges? I mean, Jesus. you can't, you can't just hit the guy in the face. People are going to, people are going to ask questions. Oh, that wasn't the eighties. And I guess back then it was socially acceptable to, to beat criminals like pinatas whenever we felt like it. Yeah. Just to get but, it, I mean,
0: uh, slippery slope, man. It's a sli- I mean, listen, like I said, in this situation, oh, you can make the argument to end and justify the means hundred percent, but um fuck, man, that is bad. <laughs>
1: no, I mean, it's bad. It's bad. But, I mean, the guy said, do you know Rick's last name? And he said, yes. Uh-huh. I'm not going to tell you. Uh-huh. So at that point, yeah, fuck you, dude. I'm getting out the phone book. You know, we're, we're going to drive down a nice dark alleyway. We pull out the phone book. My partner's going to come over here with some oranges. And we're just going to go to town. You know? We'll, we'll And he hit the cop, too. So the cop was asking him he threw a punch at the cop
0: no he he no the cop said the cop said he was getting angry so the cop said he balled his fist his hand to a fist and he saw the guy clinch his fists and so he fucking hit the guy
1: thanks <laughs> to oh, the, of the well, cop car
0: and then he pummeled it <laughs> he pummeled the dude to the guy yelled out his name you, so, you know I, again, uh, I mean slippery slope well, man well, that's well, especially today In 2021, that shit is crazy. It's crazy that even in 2021, you put that shit in a documentary. It's crazy to me.
1: I mean, today, they would say, you can't use that as evidence. Right. And that would be be it. It'd be thrown out.
0: Right. It'd be thrown out.
1: Back then, they're like, oh, uh, how many times you hit him? Anywhere vital? Is he, he's not, he's not coughing blood, is he? Just peeing it? Oh, okay. Yeah, he's fine then. Don't worry about it. Admissible.
0: So it goes in episode four. Now we know. That Richard Ramirez is the uh, suspect. It's episode four starts out with uh, the interview a librarian. Uh, I guess Richard Ramirez was on top of all the things he was was an avid reader, and so he goes to the library. And the library's the librarian is describing this interaction with him, and the way the librarian described him, I mean, you would think this motherfucker would stand out in a crowd. I mean, yeah, just, he this he sounded like a fucking ghoul. I can't believe like an. <laughs>
1: Did you see the pictures of the guy? Oh yeah, yeah. or the yeah. videos?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked
1: like he was—he was really tall, really thin. He had fucked up teeth, and his eyes—they looked like they were pure black. It was like on the on the TV show Supernatural when a demon is infesting somebody. Like that dude was—I just looking at him, I was like, yeah, I could see him murdering and dismembering and raping a bunch of people.
0: Yeah, I mean, he
1: looked—he looked. He looked fucking
0: crazy i mean you would think uh, in my mind like I'm, I'm listening to the librarian i mean you, you obviously you have to think like okay obviously whoever do these yeah. kind of things has got to be a crazy person but i'm listening to the librarian describe this guy the only thing i think it was like you would think if you lived in los angeles county in the greater los angeles area at, during this time period where there's this crazy murder on the loose and you see yeah. this motherfucker with that description even if he didn't say anything to you if you just see him walking on the street or he's standing behind you at the convenience store or is it by at the gas station with you or something my mind, was like dude, yeah. that's gotta be him. It has gotta be that motherfucker right there because he 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 looks like a, a demon, you know what I mean? Like he just sounded I mean, he did call just like the, he was dirty and he smelled and he had fucked up teeth. And you just think, like, dude, how many people tried calling this motherfucker? I mean, one thing we went over we did one thing we skipped over that I meant to talk about earlier like episode one. Is the the renderings, the artist renderings, didn't look anything like this motherfucker. There's one that looked pretty close no. to him. The Rest of them look like nothing yeah. like him. So I guess those, I guess you know, th- that shit wouldn't have mattered. But anyway, yeah, it was just it was just watch. When, when they
1: brought in the when they brought in the the witnesses, they were like, "Yeah, it's that guy."
0: Yeah, 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 for the lineup. Or they yeah.
1: they'd, they'd use different lineups, and the witnesses were like, "Yeah, I don't I don't think he's in there." Because remember, they caught that one creep that was just following women.
0: Hey man, that's a, yeah episode one. Yeah, they find that guy who's just cruising for tail uh and then he go into his house and he's got pictures and shit cut out of magazines or whatever which
1: when when did women quietly in a car and hiding behind your vehicle to look at them become a crime i mean i don't know man but, we're having a good old-fashioned flirting i don't know but
0: if it is i mean there's a lot of people that got they got they got troubles
1: hey if, it, if that's a crime lock me up
0: <laughs> jesus dude all right, so then we get in. Uh, so then, like I said, we get into episode four here. We know who he is, um, and then again, you have the departments. So this is this is where the departments are button heads over where they should release uh, Richard's, you know, information that he's a suspect. You know, San Francisco wants to release it. Los Angeles doesn't. LA wants a chance to go pick him up. San Francisco just wants to get it out because they're afraid of if we don't tell people, it's going to be a problem. Um, so then, San Francisco says we're going to do it, and then both departments they give. Press conferences. I deem him as a suspect, right? So they both just put it out there and say, yeah. "Shit, here's our guy." Right? <laughs> One thing I thought was wild, again, again, but I, again, I appreciate their honesty, is that the cops, uh, the L.A. cops, Gil and uh, Frank, they admit that they put a specific uh, squad in in the apprehension.
1: Oh yeah, um, because to, to gun people. yes,
0: because they were they were known to be heavy-handed, and because they were known to get into gunfights. <laughs> it's like they admitted it, basically, like you know, if he wants to go the hard way, we'll we'll give him the hard way. Like we're gonna get, we'll give him the option of the hard way. You know what I mean? Um, which again, twenty twenty one is crazy to say, but I appreciate their honesty. I mean,
1: yeah, I was just say, I mean, Frank said that, and my like my my kind of interpretation of their partnership was that it was always Gil was the good cop and Frank was the bad cop. And Frank just seemed like he was like really old school. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, maybe they'll take him in. Maybe they'll shoot him in the face. Either way, he's off the streets, right? You know, it it's effective. It's an effective way to look at that. I uh, I question it morally, especially like, can you imagine if they got the wrong guy and they just fucking shot him? And he's like, hey, he's off the street. And then it's like, oh, uh, somebody just got shot with a twenty-two. And there's more Advia footprints all over the room. You're like, Mm. God damn it. You got to go back out there.
0: Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's just that to me was wild. But again, uh, Richard Ramirez doesn't have a job, so he goes on a little trip down to Arizona to visit his brother. And by the time he gets back and walks uh, into a convenience store, he realizes I'm on the front page of every fucking newspaper. They know it's me, right? And so he gets into this multi-block. Chase. He ends up getting on the bus, right? He gets up the, the bus station. He sees that like, he recognizes there's some cops because like any good shitbag, bag, he can ID a cop in a crowd. And so, yeah, got, you know, the cops that are wearing dirty clothes, but they have clean hair, cut hair and their hair is clean and their teeth are nice. So he knows immediately those are undercover cops, but he, I guess he doesn't know if he, he doesn't think they're there for him or whatever. So he gets on this bus, he's on the bus and that's when the passengers on the bus all start like realizing it's him and they start pulling the stops and then they get off and run to the telephone, you know, the phone booth, or whatever. And then this motherfucker, yeah, he goes to the convenience story, he sees himself on the papers, he takes off running. Yeah, he ran like like a, a far away. Like he ran a lot while he was getting chased. And the whole time I thought I was like, Well, the cops were tailing him. They at that point they knew who he was. They were tailing him into the bus station when he got in to the Greyhound station. It's like, how the fuck was he possibly? How did he run that far? How did he possibly get that far on foot? Dude.
1: Uh, it looked like he ran like when they when they were going through the map. I was like, oh, dude, this guy forget murder. He should have been in the Olympics because yeah, he, he a... outran a crowd of people that were trying to murder, like beat the shit out of him and lynch him. He outran them for like six blocks. Yeah, he
0: ran. A I was like, ran a 10k I mean, or something. Somebody that
1: clearly <laughs> smokes crack. He, you know, his lungs seem to be in pretty good condition. Well, yeah. Must be all that exercise he gets from beating old ladies to death or something. But that guy fucking that guy can fucking haul it. He he was not playing around. Yeah, he was. I, he, I bet those me were running shoes. Yeah, he
0: was. That's all I'm around. saying. So anyway, yeah. So like you said, he's fucking running. The neighborhood's all you know going crazy. They've they're, they're finding out. Everybody screaming that he's the he's the killer. He's the, the 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 guy, and they end up beating him down with metal poles and just beating the shit out of him. Right. And then the cops show yeah. up and and save his save his life, so they can kill him later, or you know, sentence him to death later. But so the cops show up and save dude's life. Um, Dude, well, they, I, that well, would they, have
1: been a well, real moral quandary for me. I would have pulled up see that, seen that crowd, and been like, "Yeah, not really worth me getting between them and that guy." So I'm gonna yeah. show, I'm gonna drive down the block until like, I didn't see shit.
0: Yeah, that, I mean that road. The 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 the, the patrol officer who they pulled up first. I mean that took some. Guts to like separate him from the crowd, and the crowd obviously wanted blood. I mean, they knew who he yeah. was; they they wanted him, and he had to like you know fend them off. Basically, I thought it was crazy. The media was on like the media was there like immediately. Like he's in the back seat, and the cops are like asking him questions, and the media is like right there as they're trying to talking to him. And obviously, he do not want anything to do with it. But so anyway, so now yeah. now big bad wolf's in custody, right? They finally finally caught this 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 weirdo. He's in he's in custody. You know, I, I guess they you know them, They want to talk to the guy. Excellent. He had a total
1: boner for Frank because Frank had brought down the Hillside Strangler. Uh-huh. So he knew he knew Detective Frank Salerno. He knew him from the media and shit. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a weird like, sort of a red flag mentally. You're like, maybe he just picked up that information, but that was like a year or two before. Mm-hmm. And he just remembered it right off the bat. Just like, Oh yeah, you're, you're Detective Salerno. He brought down the hillside strangler. Well, I mean, he did go to the library. He
0: was obviously a student in what his library. He, he asked for the the section on horoscopes and torture. I think so. Obviously, he his reading material was a little uh, twisted anyway. But it
1: was very. He was a he was a student
0: of life. Yeah, and 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 a student of life and a practitioner of death. Um. <laughs> anyway, so so okay, so that's motherfuckers. You know, he's he's arrested. They're, we're gonna go to court now, and. He gets these, uh, his family, his parents hired these two lawyers who were very new, who didn't really you know were in over their head. And so much so that the prosecution was concerned that they wouldn't do a good enough job defending this motherfucker. So they were concerned yeah. that they would suck so much that they would give him the basis for an appeal, which I have never in my life heard <laughs> ever in a case of a prosecution being like, I'm so concerned that the defense is so in over their head here that they're going to be so bad that we're going to have to do this again because how bad they are. Yeah. Again, I don't know. Again, I don't know. The document doesn't really get into like how bad they were. Just, it just kind of just goes into how. Inexper- well, you got they guilty were. on
1: everything. I mean,
0: but, I mean, the evidence is overwhelming. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's I, don't, true. I don't know if anybody could have got him off on this shit, but especially when you go to show up to court, with a fucking pentagram in your hand when you're literally copying OJ's lawyer at this point you're literally copying yeah i mean this was ten, to, you know not that long before oj shit yeah um, where, was where, a, where was he at it was los angeles jock and
1: but, johnny cock uh, yeah. i bet he could have got him off i'm of course, just saying he might have but yeah he's like hey he wears a size 12 shoe not 11 and a half
0: <laughs> if the avias don't fit you have to quit.
1: Your honor, somebody else depends on their hands.
0: Your Your honor, my client clearly likes pumas, he prefers pumas, he would never be caught dead wearing a pair of avias, and he's a size 10 and a half. This is nuts, (laughs) but yeah, so okay, so he's in court. And then they go into the the documentary, goes into this fact, which I guess is that's just what we've all come to know is going to happen. Just just, there is no bounds on depravity. What did you think about when they're talking about the groupies?
1: Well, first, I thought maybe murder is the best way to get naked selfies for women, you know, because when I was single, it wasn't that easy. Apparently, killing people and getting caught is the best way to get nudies. Seems like a roundabout slippery slope to me, but apparently it works. But, you know, I wasn't really surprised uh, because you think about the Manson family and I mean, every one of these killers, there's always a line of like psychos around the block. They're like, when you get out, we can be together. And I'm sure that, you know, you won't kill and dismember me too. Like you did those other 35 people. They probably had it coming. You know, it's, there's always some psycho out there that, that thinks that it's hot or, I mean, people are, people are fucked up, man.
0: Yeah, but it's fucking wild. I mean, listen, I know they say like, you know, some girls are into bad guys, but this guy's like the baddest guy. I mean, he was, he was kidnapping Children, he was killing and raping old people. I mean, it was like it it, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like he was just some like you know, I don't don't want to downplay it because it wasn't like he was just like some like a domestic abuser,
1: yeah, he was was a demon and again,
0: exactly. And like, again, I'm not trying to downplay domestic abuse, it's terrible, don't fucking do it, but I'm just saying, like, in, in the spectrum of crime. See, I'm, I can get dragged for that shit for sure. But listen, in the spectrum <laughs> of crime, he's on like the very most extreme ends, right? And it's not like yeah. he's like it's hard to it's hard to in your head formulate a redemption plan for this guy. It's hard to formulate a, 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 an idea of how he could possibly be reformed because this shit is so far to one side. It's like how I mean, they say like women like bad guys, women like prod like pet projects, guys they can change, guys they can fix. It's like listen, lady. Ain't nobody going to fix this motherfucker. And he ain't just a yeah. bad guy. He is the baddest guy. Like, you don't want no part He's of this.
1: He's like a rabid animal.
0: But, I mean, it's just it's just to me. That, I mean, again, we've come we've, we've come to expect that out of these situations, right? And probably because of this case and other cases like it. But, yeah, I mean, some of the girls that show up to court wearing, like, all black. And it's not a picture. And, and I was expecting, like, bridge trolls. But, so, I mean, some of the girls were not terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: And so it's like. It's, I was going like, to say. I was just going to say, I was like, some of these pictures, man, like, I, I'd i be trying to break out of prison. G- you give know? Give something to live for, right. Yeah. Uh, you, so, give me something to fight
0: for. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, apparently, I'm out of, I think it was kind of wasted on him, though. I don't think any of those girls were his type. So, so I, mean, I think well, it was kind of wasted willing, on him. I think it well, was the issue. Well, that's, again, not his type. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, he's fucking groupies. So... They get this guilty verdict, obviously, clearly. This guy's. Yeah. I think it's 19 counts of murder. He gets sentenced to 19 death sentences, eventually gets sentenced to death. You know, one thing I thought was strange, and I, I, I again, with this documentary, I, I know why they did it. I guess I understand that they're trying to like humanize the detectives in this, but I thought it was such a strange choice for them that they talk about after the verdict and Gil's talks about he goes home and he cries because his dad wasn't alive to see it. Like, dude, that was just, a weird
1: information.
0: That was strange because, like, because like, it just showed, like, again, how removed he must have become to the situation. And yeah. it was just like he was, like, like he was more proud of himself for having caught this guy than he was glad that this guy can't hurt anybody else. Like, that's how it came across to me. There's like, like that's yeah. th- 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 they kind of portrayed it like, and they went back and forth, like, because right before that, right they're talking about where they go and interview some of the kids and one of the kids is like willing to testify. And then, you know, he's talking about how he went to the kids step out and he's crying in the kitchen. And then the prosecutor, whoever comes in and says we're going to dismiss all these cases against him because you've already got him on the other shit, which I understand to spare the kids, the trauma, but it's like, so it's showing that he's like humanized about it. But then like that to me was just such like a, a selfish egotistical like thing to thrown at the very end. Like that's how you're going to end it with Gil crying because his dad didn't live long enough to see him catch a serial killer
1: you know it's you, like a- you know when you were when, when you were talking about how he said man is it is it wrong that i, I want for him to commit another murder it, it's one of those things that uh that nietzsche used and then that guy uh the other guy he was a detective that they that caught the that, ca- that other california killer they got away with it forever is uh beware that when fighting monsters you do not become a monster for when you gaze into the abyss, the abyss also gazes back to you. So the whole time he's tracking this guy and he's getting into his head and he's trying to do all this stuff that's got to change you on some level. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't put 150 days or how, however long this crazy spree went on. You can't put yourself after him and thinking like him for 150 days and not have something happen, like not have some changes to your psyche.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, the the documentary is literally called "The Hunt for uh the Serial Killer," right? The Hunt yeah. for a Serial Killer. I'm
1: sure, so, so I'm I mean, sure it's they, an ego thing too for them.
0: Oh, of course, yeah. Oh, for sure, it's an ego thing. But like, yeah, like like you're saying, like they're literally hunting somebody who hunts. So in order to hunt a hunter, yeah, you got to hunt like in that mindset, like you're saying. So, I understand. I just to me, I just thought that was such a weird like story is such a weird thing to put at the end. Like, I, again, I get it. I understand his dad was proud of him and I'm not taking that away from him, but just uh, uh, that that can't be the most important feeling that you that you felt after you got a guilty verdict on these. Like it's got to be a sense uh, of relief. Like, it's got to be a so, sense of yeah. accomplishment, I like. guess, but
1: I uh, yeah, I was just say I, I feel like he'd be so relieved that it was over just because it's over. Right. You know, he got to go to his sister's wedding afterwards. Yeah, I'm sure he got some sleep at some point. Maybe he got and his wife and kids have left. So he'd probably been without sex for a couple of weeks at least. I mean, all that stress and no sex on top of it. I'd be, I'd be bouncing up and down. when I finally caught that guy. Fuck you, dude. My wife's coming back and I'm about to get laid. <laughs> yeah,
0: dude. So they get the guilty verdicts. He gets sentenced to death. And then because there is no justice in the world, Richard Ramirez dies of cancer in 2013 doesn't get killed by the state
1: it was 30 years later yep not 30 years 20 years yeah close yeah how does that fucking happen like he was so unequivocally obviously guilty and they're just like yeah we'll just let him sit in solitary for 20 years
0: yeah i don't yeah I i mean it's it's crazy i think it's wild i mean um that he was able to just sit in jail that long until nature took him out. You know, it's that's just it, it's, that's not
1: the death penalty doesn't work.
0: I mean, I'm sure I'm sure he appealed. I'm sure he appealed a bunch of times and that just delayed everything. Yeah, I'm reading here that uh, in 2006 he filed some appeals, or there is a first round of appeals ended unsuccessfully, um, and he upheld his death sentence. And then at the time of his death, um, he had additional appeals pending so that guy yeah so so uh, so that there we go we're at the end of the end of the the documentary here so what overall like overall what did you think about the documentary what was your overall take on it
1: i thought the documentary was very well done they kept like littering these random scenes like at one point they're like it showed like a close-up of a rat eating and like its tongue coming out Mm -hmm. and then it'd be like bang bang and then you're like what the fuck was a rat about? What what did they have to do with anything? Or it'd be like, you know, they'd be talking and you'd see a a drop of blood fall down and then another drop of blood. And and that was kind of, I'm sure it was for the ambiance to keep you interested. But for me, I was like, I felt like it kept sidetracking me from the story because I was just like, what in the fuck are these people trying to do right now? Like the rat, I, what, what it, it just grossed me out. I, but Overall, I thought the documentary was very well done. I enjoyed it a lot, here, seeing it from the cops' perspectives. Frank Salerno, MVP. Uh, I think I liked him the best. Uh, Gil was great, but uh, I, I feel like Frank Salerno was like that old school guy that's in every movie where the chief's like, you're going to give me a heart attack if you keep doing this shit, Frank. And Frank's like, i just be a suspect half to death, but he gave me the name. God damn it, Frank somebody get a vet in here to take care of this guy's injuries. You
0: know? I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think the documentary was very well done. I think it falls, it fell into a lot of the true crime tropes. I mean, you have, like you said, like the nitty gritty, um, you know, like these like kind of weird scenes, like with the rat, to so mention with the rat, it just, you know, the, the, it was, you know, but that's how they all are. I mean, that's how, it just, that's like the, the yeah. blueprint for true crime documentaries is, is, is that, you know, so, um, I guess I understand it from that. I mean, it's one of the better true crime documentaries I've seen recently that I can remember. What I mean, again, There's things that could have been done better. You know, something I would have liked to see more. I guess I would have liked a little more backstory. Like once they figured out who he was, they gave a little bit of backstory on who Richard Ramirez was, um, but they didn't give it all, and they didn't really go into too much more um, of of his like what like because obviously from from a viewer standpoint obviously you want to know like how how did he get caught which is what the point of the documentary is but then you're left wondering like well how did how did this guy become this like how does how does richard ramirez like was he born this way that like like, how does this happen like how does somebody become this kind of person so i wish they would have went a little more like a little more into that i mean they did mention that he had a rough childhood you know he had like a an older cousin who was like a uh, a vietnam shit. veteran who was a fucking nut job who had murdered women in vietnam and took pictures and stuff and raped women in vietnam and took pictures and shit and shared those with him just reading online here a little about uh richard ramirez and his earlier life apparently the same cousin he witnessed that same cousin fatally shoot his wife during a domestic yeah. argument well and at he, some point he moved oh, his go
1: ahead. dad abused him and yeah. like he suffered a head injury, which seems like a common theme with serial killers is that they suffer some sort of serious head injury at some point. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that he was born a monster. I'm saying that he, what he was when they caught him was unmistakably evil.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then like it says here, when he was, according to Wikipedia, which, you know, is a trusted source for all your information. Yeah. Um, says he moved in at one point with his older sister, Ruth, and her husband, Roberto who was an obsessive peeping Tom who took Richard along on his nocturnal exploits, which is fucking strange. And that's when he started using LSD and became interested in Satanism. Isn't that
1: kind of like like inviting your buddy over to watch porn with you?
0: Yeah, except you're doing committing crimes, I guess, while you're doing it. I mean, you're out in the world. I mean, it's kind of like you're training. I mean, listen, when, I'm, when I was reading kind of the backstory on Richard Ramirez, I mean, obviously, it takes like, there's got to be something innate in him that's fucked up to get to that point. But then yeah. it kind of sounds like he went through like serial killer boot camp as a kid. You know what I mean? Like he kind of just, every thing you could do to a kid to make them turn to a, 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 a person that could, a monster, is like what he endured almost, um, which is, you know, unfortunate. Um, he's still responsible for what he did though. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, yeah no, it's, and that's what he did. He's that's one of the things I was
1: thinking about. Did, that's one of the things I was thinking about after the documentary. It, it raises that old age old question is it nature or is it nurture? Like, was he born evil and the things that happened? Or was he born moralist and the things that happened just pushed him along? Or, like, could, with the right settings, could he have been a productive member of society? It's just something you'll never, we'll never know.
0: So, I wish the documentary would have delved a little bit more into that. Again, I understand it wasn't a Richard Ramirez documentary. It was about the hunt for him. So, that's probably why they didn't. But,. I think it would have been nice to get a little more information um overall i think it was a good it was as entertaining they did an entertaining way as entertaining these kind of things could be i mean it sounds fucked up calling a true crime podcast entertaining but uh, it, it, it was it was entertaining It was interesting so um but yeah so overall i thought it was good
1: well sounds good yeah all right I uh,
0: appreciate you coming on that's uh that's night stalker the hunt for a serial killer check it out on netflix uh streaming now um, until next time